Hallelujah. Father God, we do thank you for the love of God. The love of God that saved us from all of our sins, that rescues us from our bad decisions, Father, that heals us. You are our healer. You are our redeemer. You are our provider. You give us everything that we need for life and godliness. And Father, we thank you that you chose to come and dwell in us individually and together as a body. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together here as the body of Christ in this location. Father, we thank you for the gifts that you've given us, the gifts that our worship team has just exercised in, in blessing us. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day, and we thank you that you have nothing but good planned for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, worship team. Please be seated. Well, Pastor John's not with us, obviously, today. He's up in Grandy, but we have a, a special speaker, one that we usually see in the back of the room, you know, running running the sound, but um, we're going to hear something that God's laid on Brian Honenberg's heart, and I'd like to invite Brian up now. Good morning. Am I on? I'm on. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, the craziness is me being up here is is crazy because I actually asked to be able to give this message, <laughs> and obviously you're all thinking, "What is your problem?" <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm thinking the same thing. Um, I'm kind of curious too. I know there's a lot of people um, in, in the con- in the congregation here that either have spoken here or in one of the RVFM churches, how many of you were crazy enough not, or to ask to, to speak, not to be asked, to ask to speak? Oh, great, I'm the only one. <laughs> yep, I'm the only one. That's good. All right. So, j- joking aside, um, yes, I did. I did ask if I could give this message. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Um, God put it on my heart and it's kind of, it's interesting because it, it does flow from what Pastor John's been talking about the last four weeks. So I know he wanted me to start today so I could take what he said, fix it, make it right and expand on it. Um, but yeah, so, but okay, seriously, I do, I do believe that God, God has a message for you that he wants to communicate through me. Okay. And I guess related to that, let's pray so I make sure not to screw this up. (laughs) All right. Father God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father God, I purpose to simply be a vessel. You have a message that you want to communicate, and I'm trusting that the anointing is here. I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is here. I'm going to get out of the way. I'm not going to speak any more than you want, any less than you want. So, Father God, just simply offer myself. I yield to the Holy Spirit. Father God, and I'm trusting, since the Holy Spirit is working through me, that lives will be touched. Hearts will be touched and lives will be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, so if you remember what, what Pastor John was talking about, he was talking about fear in relation to um, all the craziness that's going on right now. The enemy is trying to get 
everybody into fear. And I think um, Christians in particular, because he uses fear to try to control us, to limit us. God has an amazing plan for each and every one of us, each and every one of us. He's given us unique gifts, talents, abilities, uh, passions, desires, experiences, uh, relationships, and all of those together um, are unique to us and enable us, again, uniquely to be able to fulfill God's plan for us. And when we, when we allow the devil's lies to get into us, fear to get into us, it limits us. He limits us. So um, let's, let's start with Mark 5. Verse 21. Okay, so Jesus had just healed the man-man of uh, Gadara. And so, starting with verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. He spoke the end result. He spoke what he wanted. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched him. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Again, she spoke what she wanted, even if, well, it might have been just in her mind, but that's what she wanted. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him, because what she, what she did was actually illegal. With her condition, she couldn't be out in public. And fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And notice he said, Your faith. Your faith, daughter, made you well. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, I I think that's how you say it, 
which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. Okay. As we were reading through there, uh, I guess I'd like to ask you, who did you, who did you relate to in the story? Who did you see yourself as in the story? Was it, was it Jairus where you might have a loved one that needs healing and you're coming to Jesus for help? Um, or do you see yourself as the woman with the issue of blood where you yourself need healing and you're coming to Jesus for help? Or maybe, you know, maybe you've got a financial need or some other problem. I think that's often how we view these, these stories. But I would like to propose as Christians, we, we actually need to see ourselves as Jesus. We need to see yourself, ourselves as the one that people are coming to for help, for healing. We, should be doing the works of Jesus. And as we read, as we read stories about Jesus, that's what we need to, we, we need to see ourselves as Him. Because we have everything we need to live and do the things that Jesus did. Okay? So, let's turn to Romans 8 and I'll, I'll prove it to you. And we know for those who love God, how many here love God? All right, good. Good to see. For those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. We're to be conformed, we're destined to be conformed to the image of his Son, to be like Jesus in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He was simply supposed to be the first of many. He wasn't supposed to be the only one. He was supposed to be the first of many. Okay? The disciples obviously lived like Jesus, but it's supposed to continue. As Christians, we have everything we need to live like Jesus. So... That, that all I said to set up really, I think, the main, the main reason that, that God wanted me to, to talk today. Um, in July, early July of 2017, um, my family and I, we were, we were traveling. We were traveling to the hills of North Carolina, to the Appalachian Mountains, um, to visit some friends. And I was driving, all seven of us in our Suburban, and I was, I was listening to Skillet. And I don't know, Skillet's a Christian rock band, if you don't know. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> um, and in particular, I, I was listening to a song, Welcome to the Freak Show. And I'm thinking, Welcome to the Freak Show? Why would a Christian band be talking about Welcome to the Freak Show? And I wasn't, I wasn't so much listening to the words as I was just going over in my mind, why welcome to the freak show? What is, why, well, okay, welcome to the freak show. What does that mean? What are you trying to get at? Welcome to the freak show. Welcome to the freak show. Are we, is he talking about church? 
Is he talking about Christians? Welcome to the freak show. Is he talking about having church? We, he's talking about having church. He's talking about what we're doing right now. Welcome to the freak show. We're supposed to be freaks. We're not supposed to be like everybody else. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be peculiar. We're supposed to be freaks. Okay? No problem. Yeah. Yeah, some of us don't need God to be peculiar. Um, so in particular, so, and there were, so, okay, so, sorry, I got almost off track. You almost got me off track. Don't do that. Um, so I continued to think about it and think, God, he's, he's talking about church. And then all of a sudden I got this Holy Spirit download, just boof. And God just revealed a bunch of things to me. There were, there were some things that he had revealed to me previously that, were out there and I didn't see how they were going to fit together in my life and he kind of pulled all that together and just really spoke to me about we're supposed to be freaks and what I got out of it the phrase that I got out of it was freak mode we're supposed to live in freak mode okay so the dictionary definition of a freak (laughs) is a freak, or a, a, a freak, a very unusual and unexpected event or situation, abnormal, rare. Okay? So think of Jesus, the life of Jesus. There were many very unusual and unexpected events or situations. It was very abnormal and rare. And rare is interesting because I don't think it was supposed to be, it's not supposed to be as rare as it is because we're freaks. We're supposed to be freaks. We need, to re- we need to remember, okay, so I said, we're different. We're supposed to be different. We're not supposed to live like the rest of the world. And, and how is that? It's because we have God in us, right? We have God inside of us, empowering us, enabling us. So what he wants to be able to do, if we're born again, we're spirit-filled, he wants to be able to express himself through us and touch the lives of those around us. Right? Right? I mean, that's why we're here. That, the Holy Spirit isn't only for us. The Holy Spirit is for us to be able to help those around us. We, we're not only human. How many times have you heard people say, ah, I'm, I'm just only human? And Christians. Christians say, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm only human. I can't, I can't do that. It's not true. We, we, if you're born again and spirit-filled, you're not only human. You're not only human. You have God inside of you. I love what, I love what Andrew, Andrew Womack says. He says, we're not only human, one-third of us is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. Okay? We are a spirit. That's who you are. This, this is just your earth suit. Okay? You are a spirit. We have a soul, and we live, we just dwell in this thing here that everybody looks at and sees that has warts and wrinkles and nastiness and all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> so, 
like I said, we are only human, and God has made it possible for us to live like Jesus, okay? And again, I'm going to back this up. A lot of you are probably thinking of this verse in particular, John 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, do we believe in Jesus? Do we believe in Jesus? Do we believe in what he's done for us? He died so that we might live. He bore our sicknesses and diseases so that we might be healed. He became poor so that we might be rich. Right? He who believes in me, whoever believes in me, will also do the works that I do. Jesus himself said that we should be doing the things that he did. And then Paul. Let's see what Paul has to say about it. Ephesians 4. Uh, The New Living Translation is a little bit clearer on this verse. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. If we measure to the, up to the full and complete standard of Christ, we're going to be living like him. We're going to be doing the things that he did. Right? And, and I, one of the things as, as I've been thinking about this and meditating on this and thinking about freak mode is that we need to raise the standard for the church. We're allowing ourselves to live far below our potential. So, the standard, the, the measure of the stature, that's measuring up to the full and complete, full and complete standard of Christ. We've got a long ways to go. We've started. And I'm not expecting, you know, especially after we're born again, we don't immediately get up to that full standard. It's a process. We're somewhere on that process, but we need to be shooting towards that full and complete standard. Uh, In Ephesians 3, and to know the love of Christ, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If we're filled with all the fullness of God, we can easily do the works that Jesus did. All right. So, if you're, if you're new to Christianity, even if you're not new to Christianity, you're thinking, how can this be? I mean, really, let's get real. We don't really see it that much. How can this, how can this be possible? How can we live like Jesus and do the things that he did? Again, we need to recognize that we are a spirit, okay? And our reborn spirit is perfect. It's, it's flawless. We in our spirit look just like Jesus. If, Jesus. if God was looking at you and Jesus standing next to one another, he wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Jesus has the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We have a measure. But our spirit, in our spirit... Our spirits are perfect. So that's because of that. That's how God can dwell in us. Because God cannot be in the presence of sin. Our spirits are perfect. Our spirits are flawless. So that's how God can dwell in us. And that's how we can do the works of Jesus. 
We need to be meditating on who, who we truly are, not the mistakes that we made, not our flaws, not the things that we think are uh, stupid things that we did in our past. We need to continuously be aware of the fact that our spirit is perfect. Our spirit is just like Jesus. So why can't we do the same things that he did? Okay, let's back this up with scripture also. So 1 John 4, 17. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Not in heaven, right now, in this world. We're just like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. That's, that's why we need to be doing the works of Jesus, because we are his representatives on the earth. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Just looking at us in our flesh, how can that be? How can we be the righteousness of God? Again, it's because our spirit is perfect. Our spirit is perfect. So that's why, that's how we can live like Jesus. Okay, let's take this, let's kind of continue with with the thought of, okay, we've gone over scriptures that say we can do this. We can live like Jesus. He even said we should be doing the works that he did. We have a pure spirit. God is in us. Still, we struggle with it. We, we don't, I mean, it, we all know, we don't have people flooding or, or people surrounding us when we walk around like the story that we started with, yeah. wanting our help. Why? It's because of our minds. It's because of how we see ourselves. Our mind is, is like a governor. It's a... It, it limits us, okay, to what we are able to experience in our lives. I, again, the Womack, I love what he says. Um, it's our stinking thinking. It's, it, it's how we see ourselves. What limits us and prevents us from doing the things that Jesus did is our minds, Okay. We don't see ourselves as the world changers that we're created to be, as freaks. Unfortunately, a lot of times what affects our thinking is what is going on in our lives. It's our past. It's going, what's going on in our lives. It's the problems. It's, again, it's the enemy and his lies. He's trying to distract us. Where we get stuck focusing on our problems, our issues, our failures, our lack. Um, go to uh, Mark 4, 
Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. When we're focused on when we're focused on our problems, it it quenches the spirit, the Holy Spirit. It 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 dampens our faith. And I know I know what happens to me, and I'm, I'm guessing it happens to everybody else. When when we allow ourselves to be distracted and focused on all the things going around, on around us, all of the issues, all the problems, we tend to just kind of become inwardly focused. It's not right, but it just naturally happens. We just kind of we become inwardly focused. And what we need to do is we need to immediately recognize when that happens. And then we got to get into attack mode and start proclaiming the word over our lives. We, we're supposed to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, casting down vain imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We need to immediately go on the offensive. Okay? <clears throat> we need to go into attack mode, we need to speak the word, and we need to abide in, abide in God. We need to abide in His Word and just be thinking about Him, praising Him, because as we get into His Word, as we meditate on Him, as we magnify His Word, we're magnifying Him and minimizing our problems. Our problems become insignificant when we realize how awesome, how amazing, how big God is. So that's why it's so important to continuously be in the Word. It's so important to abide in in God, abide in His presence. Because that, that keeps us from becoming inwardly focused and consumed with our stuff, our problems. When we realize how bad, how big God is, we can become outwardly focused. We can be, we can allow God to use us, to work through us when we're so convinced of God's ability so convinced that we have everything we need to be world changers. We have everything we need. Our spirits are perfect. We have the name of Jesus. We have authority. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word. We have all of the equipment, all the tools, all the weapons we need. Um... Okay. We've got a couple of props here. <clears throat> All right. So I got a pitcher and a glass. Okay? So I didn't, Barb actually filled this from the water source in the kitchen. Okay? So she filled it from the source of water in the kitchen. Okay, and you can see the pitcher is designed to pour out. It's got a handle, so as I tip it, I can hold on to it. 
It's got a nozzle, a nozzle. It's got a spout. It's got a spout. So it directs the flow of water as it's being poured out, right? It's designed to pour out. Cup, here's a cup. It's designed, it's just to hold water until it's needed. It holds water, okay? My question to you, are you a pitcher or are you a glass? Okay. Uh, good. That's, that's the right answer. <laughs> we were designed like this pitcher to pour out. If we look at the story um, that we, we initially read, Jesus was the pitcher. And the Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood, at least at that point, were glasses. They were there to receive, which is great. That's a great starting point. We all started there. We all started as glasses, but we cannot stay as glasses. We've got to mature into being pitchers. We've got to see ourselves as having limitless Supply. Limitless supply. So that we can pour out God who is in us, right? I think I said that once already. So that we can pour out God that's in us. We are pitchers. We're designed. God designed us to be pitchers. We're supposed to pour out the Holy Spirit. To pour out the Word to those in our sphere of influence. Okay. Yeah, we're supposed to be we're supposed to be a conduit of of his blessings. All right, an example. Um about a month ago, several weeks ago, um I was in my prayer time, doing my reading, doing my confessions, my devotions, praying, and I was I was really have a, having a hard time n- not being here. I had a bunch of stuff going on, a bunch of issues and things that I was dealing with. I couldn't, I was, I was struggling to get it out, to get rid of it. I was inwardly focused. I was definitely inwardly focused. And I just clearly felt impressed that, that God, God told me, you need to stop it. You see yourself as being under the enemy's foot when he always should be under your foot. And it was just just that simple, just click. Duh. How, how was I thinking anything different? We are supposed to be the head and not the tail. We're supposed to always be above and not beneath. God is in us. So later that day, actually that, it was uh, that morning, one of my, um, I have a, a business in Hudson, and one of my employees, my engineer, um, has had back problems. And he texted me saying he's going to be a little late. He's, his back went out. Um, he's got some degenerative um, back disease. And he said, I'm going to be late. I'm 
struggling getting going here, getting dressed and getting everything taken care of. Um, so I said, take your time. And he showed up and I could just tell he was, he was not feeling good. Um, his, you know, he's usually a bright, cheery guy and his countenance was really not. And he just said, I'm going to, I'm going to work as long as I can. I'm going to, I'm going to do as best I can, but I just can't get comfortable. Um, so I'll, I'll work as long as I can and we'll see what happens. So uh, I'm thinking, okay, well, I kind of know what God was, why God was talking to me earlier. Um, and I was just, I was just waiting, okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with this? And then about not, not a half hour later, he, he comes back um, and says, I, I just can't do this. I can't focus. I can't concentrate. I got to leave. <laughs> By that time, Miles was ready to pounce. So I said, can I pray for you? And he kind of looked at me and said, uh, sure, sure. So I said, come here. I lay my hands on him. Um, I spoke to his back. I spoke healing over him. Thank God for it. And it was done. And he, he turned to me and said, wow, that feels better already. And it was, it was a, a great open door. Um, we talked about different things. And then about a couple of minutes later, God spoke to me and said, you're not done. You need to speak to the pain and command it to leave. Amen. So then I said, come back here. So I spoke to the pain, commanded it to leave, thanked God for it. And he's like, wow. It's completely gone. Wow, that is good. Um, later, that, <laughs> later that day, I saw him. Um, he was out in the shop in an area where we have a bunch of boxes, and he was moving these big boxes around. <laughs> I think, apparently, your back is a, a little bit better. He said, yeah, it feels great. Well, now you know why he has back problems. It's crazy. <laughs> so... I guess I, I say that to just give you an example of if I wouldn't have dealt with my problems and set them aside and meditated on how big God is, I wouldn't have been able to be used. I wouldn't have stepped out to heal him, to be used by God to heal him. I didn't heal him. We need to be we need to, really, really what it gets to is we need to change our mindset. We need to, and, and this is something, if you're, if you're part of Karis, um, I would assume, I'm not, I would assume that Andrew Womack talks about it all the time, meditation, how important meditation is. That we need to see ourselves as being able to, to do what I'm talking about, do the things that Jesus did. Um, and I guess related to Andrew Womack, there's a great, great story that he tells where he was, he was kind of in the same boat that I'm, that I'm talking about. I think the majority of Christians are. He was really realizing the supernatural isn't as, as is regularly occurring in his life as he thought it should. So he thought, I need to be meditating on um, laying hands on the sick, seeing them recover, casting out demons, and raising the dead. And he decided, well, why don't I focus on raising the dead? Because if I'm focused on that, I'm going to take care of the other two. Makes sense. 
So what he did is he went through and, and wrote down all the examples in the Bible of people being raised from the dead. So Jairus' daughter, Lazarus, um, Elijah, Elijah, Elisha, um, raising the Shunammite woman's son. All, I think he said there's seven, eight, seven or eight examples of people being raised from the dead. So he wrote them all down, and then he meditated on them. And what he did while he was reading them, he saw himself as the one raising the person from the dead. Like I said, we need to see ourselves as Jesus. He saw himself as Elijah. He saw himself as Jesus in front of Lazarus' tomb proclaiming, Lazarus, come forth. He meditated on it over and over and over. And he said it got to the point where he would dream about it. And in his dreams, he would raise dozens of people from the dead. So he kept after this, and it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger inside of him. And then somebody died that he knew. He raised him from the dead. And then another person died, and he raised them from the dead. And then he says, for whatever reason, his focus on that dwindled for several years. And then, I don't know, some number of years later, he said, he just felt impressed that he needed to pick it up again. He needed to start meditating again on raising the dead. And the same thing. He saw himself as the one raising the dead. He saw himself as Jesus raising people from the dead. Again, started dreaming about it. It consumed him. And then his son died. And he was able to raise his son from the dead. So we're... I think I'm... I'm going to have to wrap up here. Um, we are equipped. Let me, so I'll wrap up. We, we have everything we need. Like I said, we have everything we need to do the works that Jesus did. He said we could do it. He, he gave us everything we need to do the things that he did. To live in freak mode. To live in the supernatural to change the world. We should be world changers. And that's why this is so important. I mean, look at the world in 2020. <laughs> it's crazy. It's getting darker and darker. We have the answer. We have the answer. We can be doing something about this, and we should be doing something about this. And, and please, as I've been talking about this, I don't mean for anybody to get under condemnation. The enemy condemns us. The Holy Spirit convicts. If you're being pricked in the heart, if you're being convicted to do something, great. That's the Holy Spirit. Don't be condemned. We're all, we're all below, living below where we should be living. We just can't stay here. We need to, we need to be meditating on seeing ourselves do the things that Jesus did, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover, casting out demons, raising the dead, living in the blessing, living in God's provision. We shouldn't have to be preaching to other people. They should just see our lives, see our example, and want what we have. So we, again, so freak mode. We need to live 
there. We need to live in the supernatural. Let me see if there's... I think that that's it. Does that make sense? Is that a good ending, or do I need to add to it? No, I don't need that. So I hope, I guess I hope, I guess I feel peace that most of what I was supposed to communicate, most of what God wanted to speak has been spoken, and now do something with it. I'm going to. Let's all do something with it. All right? I will uh, I'll wrap up with prayer, and then we can be dismissed. Father God, <laughs> you are just so amazing. You are just so amazing to think what you have in store for us. To think how this River Valley is going to be impacted by the people sitting in these chairs in this building. <laughs> You've given us everything we need. You've given us everything we need. With, with you living in us, we have more than enough to meet the needs of those around us. And I thank you for that, Father God. And keep it fresh. Keep it fresh in us so that we don't let it, we, we don't give up on it. We keep after it. We keep pressing. We keep looking to have more and more of the supernatural in our lives. We keep pressing to live closer and closer to the full and complete standard of Christ. I just... You're amazing. God, you are so amazing. Your word is so amazing, so powerful. We, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a great week.